Well, good morning. Our, our pastor is away on a, on a much-needed vacation, uh, so uh, be in prayer for him as he is away with his family. Uh, so I have the privilege of bringing God's Word to you this morning. I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. Uh, familiar passage, but a very powerful passage. Uh, also, I have a note-taking God there in the, in the worship folder that you can follow along with uh, as we dig into uh, God's Word today. Title of my message is Standing Strong in a Drifting Culture. I am absolutely amazed, astonished at where our American culture is at today. In fact, the last five to ten years, it truly has been shocking and disturbing to see just how far our culture has drifted away, drifted from the things of God, from the Word of God, from the principles of God. We are living in a culture now that has nothing to do with God. So what do you do about that? How do you live in a culture like that? Well, for some of us, it's kind of difficult because I grew up in a much simpler time. A much more simple time when I grew up. <clears throat> when I grew up, father still knew best. And wow, just think how much different this country could be if fathers were raising their family in the things of the Lord. I grew up in a time that was much simpler when girls were girls and men were men. I don't know what's going on with that transgender stuff. I don't understand. I grew up in a time when the rainbow was a sign of God's promise, not gay rights. I, I still have a hard time getting that image out of my mind when they passed the same-sex um, law, marriage law, of the White House in rainbow colors. I have a hard time getting that out of my mind. I grew up in a simpler time when spam was something you ate, not something bad happened to your computer. And Lord, I ate enough fried spam sandwiches to last a lifetime. I grew up in a time when a hard drive was a long trip to grandma's house. I grew up a long time ago in a much simpler time. A time when a virus was cleared up by chicken noodle soup, not the geek squad from Best Buy. I just, I, I just grew up in a, in a much different time. When a Blackberry was pie, not some sort of electronic device, and when hip-hop was something the bunny rabbits did, that, that's the society I grew up in. Our culture has changed. It has drastically changed. And sometimes we feel like we don't belong. And there's nothing wrong with that. I like what Todd Starnes of Fox News said in his book, God Less America. He said, I feel like a Duck Dynasty guy living in a Miley Cyrus world. This world has changed. And all kidding aside, our culture has drastically changed for the worse. We're living in a much different time. Society. Listen, 
It is changing its mind about the Christian way of thinking and living. Christians are increasingly viewed as irrelevant. You might want to use the word ignorant and as extremist. Trust me, there is a time coming and we're not far from it where evangelical Christians will be portrayed as religious extremists just like ISIS and other people. That's how our culture is viewing Christians today. Frank Page of the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee said, he believes the day is coming when churches will see outright persecution on Sunday mornings as well as a continued pattern of harassment from this culture. And I don't think we're far from that time. How did America get to where it's at today? Well, it started as a drift. And you can trace it back maybe to the 60s when they took prayer out of school and it's just drifted and drifted and drifted and drifted. And drifting is a very dangerous thing. I have a long quote in there. You may want to just look at it on the, in your notes from scholar D.A. Carson. He said, people do not drift toward holiness. And that is so true. They, we drift toward compromise and call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. That's where America is at. It has drifted so far and you need to understand that we no longer live in the midst of a culture that shares our biblical beliefs and convictions that's not the case and to put it in the terms of a sports we've lost home court advantage we are living in a much different culture that's changing rapidly every day So the question becomes, as a Christian, as a person of faith, how do you make a stand? How do you take a stand? How do you live in a drifting culture? How can you do that? Well, I'm going to give you four answers, but the first three are wrong, okay? The first thing is you can compromise. You can compromise your faith to where it pretty much goes along with the flow of the world. But I'm telling you, all that is is nothing more than tolerance and political correctness. And we've become a society that is obsessed over tolerance and acceptance of everyone except Christians. That won't work. You will get swept away in the drifting culture. You can condone it. You can say, you know what, that's just the way the world is. I'm not going to cause a big stink. I'm not going to stand out in my life. I'm just going to kind of accept and adapt to the culture. That won't work either. Condemn it. Protest. 
argue, debate, talk about judgment. And you may say, well, that sounds okay. I'm here to tell you that won't work either. Because when you come with that talk of protest and judgment again, you just feel that label of Christians are religious extremists. So how do you stand strong in a drifting culture? I would propose you confront it. Engage the culture and share the truth in love. And I can't stress that point enough. Don't isolate yourself from this culture. You engage it. Go out there, confront it, talk to people. But you share the truth of God's word and you share it in love. That's how you're going to change the people you come in contact with and eventually change your culture. Well, this morning I want us to look at an example, an example of how this happens. In this case, it is a young teenage boy and his friends. Daniel probably was somewhere around 15 years of age. Just a little background on this passage. Uh, the nation of Judah and Jerusalem, its capital, has been drifting as a culture away from the things of God. God sent prophets to try to tell them, hey guys, repent, get back, get back to God's word. And they just kept drifting. Till finally God brings judgment on them to the nation of Babylon. They come in to J Jerusalem there in Judah and just wipe everything out. Temple, take all the furniture back with them, captive, all these uh, Jewish people. And in the midst of those Jewish people they carry back to Babylon are some very impressive young men that Nebuchadnezzar wants to take and kind of brainwash. So, as we look at Daniel, first thing I want us to look at is this difficult trial. I'm going to read not all of this. I'm going to start in verse 3. Follow along with me as I read, uh, and then we'll kind of unpack this and see why this trial is difficult. Verse 3, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the official courts, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the, and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning and well-informed, quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some, of Judah, were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. So, you see what's going on. <clears throat> These young men have been captured, taken into the courts, uh, school there in Babylon to be trained, to be brainwashed. And ba Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians are trying their best to 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 get these guys to compromise, to conform to the Babylonian culture. And as I think about that, the pattern you see here 
in this process is still the same pattern today. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, the first thing that they did with these young men is they changed their location. They were in Jerusalem, and now hundreds and hundreds of miles away, they're now in a completely different culture, a new location. And you may say, well, well, Shannon, we're not changing so much our physical location. You may be right, but I think this culture is working hard to change your spiritual location. Because what the church, what the culture is saying about the church today is that the church is irrelevant, that the church is nothing but a religious institution. The church is a place full of hypocrites. And what's happening is more and more people are going from in church to out of church. The culture is trying to change their location. The second thing I want you to see is how the culture changes their language and their literature. These Hebrew youth were now subjected to a a whole new curriculum of Babylonian philosophy and religion and Babylonian magic and astrology and all these things. All this information was just being bombarded on them to learn, to, to understand, and they're constantly being bombarded with this. And you may say, well, Well, what's that got to do with us? Well, I'm here to tell you today, society is doing the same thing. It's trying to change your language and especially trying to change what you read. Because see, we live now in a culture where everything we have is right here. Now, I don't do it that fast. I'm tick, tick, tick. But some of y'all, anything you want to know, Facebook, Twitter, go online, look at, read news. It's all there. And we spend hours on this phone or on the computer and, and trying to get all this, understand all the culture and the, what's going on and celebrities, who cares about those? But we, to the point is, we become so busy trying to get information on the world that we don't spend time with God. Some people get up in the morning and the first thing they do is click, click, click. What's going on? What's going on? I feel like something's happening in the world while I was asleep and I need to know what's going on. Tell you something. Get up, drop down on your knees and pray to God that God would give you a day to day where you can be used by him. Pull out your word, the Bible, and spend some time in God's word. That's what we need to be doing. But culture has changed our language and our literature. It's also changed our lifestyle. These four teenagers that lived with strict dietary laws that were communicated and passed down in God's word and the law, that's how they lived. And now they're faced with a decision on what they're going to eat. Verse 5, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. So these young men were faced with a decision on what they're going to eat because they had been raised where you eat clean food, not unclean food. Again, trying to change their whole lifestyle. As you think about that, wow, what, what a picture of our society today. See, our society is trying to change your lifestyle with our choices of entertainment, whether it's movies or music or what's on the internet. Because see, there's a lot of un 
clean things out there. And you need to be like these young men. You need to understand that there's clean and there's unclean. Don't defile your body. Change your lifestyle with allowing all of these unclean things to come into your life. Society is trying to change your location, your language, your literature, your lifestyle. It's also trying to change your loyalty. See, what you may not know, and this is not in your notes, and I apologize for that. When these young men arrived in Babylon, they came carrying wonderful names that gave testimony of the Lord. Daniel's name, translated in Hebrew, is God is my judge. Hananiah's name in Hebrew is God is gracious. Mishael's name in Hebrew, God is without equal. And Azariah in Hebrew, the Lord is my helper. These were their names, given testimony to God. But when they arrived in Babylon, they were given new names trying to change their loyalty. Daniel became Belteshazzar, which translated means Baal will protect. Baal was a pagan god of that time. Hananiah became Shadrach, which means inspiration of the sun. Again, the sun was, was worshipped during those times. Mishael became Meshach which means belonging to a queue, and Azariah became Abednego, which means servant of the goat. So what King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to do was to change their identity and to change their way of thinking. And that's exactly what our culture is trying to do to us today. It's trying to change our identity and change our way of thinking. And you need to be careful of the things of the world. The Bible is real clear. The Bible says in James 4, 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Strong language. If you want to be a friend of the world, you're going to be enemy of God. Look at what John says in 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We are living in a culture that is trying to drastically change our identity, change our way of thinking, conform us to the ways of the world. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't give in. Don't give in to this conforming process. You be resistant. You stand strong. This is a drifting culture, but you be like these young men. You stand strong. You don't let them come. And you say, well, how, how do they stand strong? Well, let's go to the second part of this passage where we look at a very daring test. Follow along as I read 1 Daniel 1, verses 8 through 16. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Wow. You ought to just underline that. What a great word from a 15-year-old teenage boy. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, 
who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed, over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Verse 12, please, please let your servants for 10 days give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Now, I'm not going to talk about whether you should be a vegetarian or eat or, or a meat eater. I'm, I'm, that's beyond the scope of this message. I tell you what, I like meat. Now, I'm going to eat, keep eating it. But anyway... This passage is pretty remarkable when you just stop back, when you step back and look at it. Daniel and his friends are faced with a a huge decision. Eat the royal rich food, the unclean food, or not. And I want you to see how Daniel, even at a young age, how he engaged his culture. He goes to them and says, "We, we don't want to do this. We, we, please, we, we have asked permission to not defile ourselves. And then they propose a test. Let us just for 10 days eat vegetables and water, drink water. That's, that's all we want to do. Let us, let us do that. And then you make a decision. I mean, just very tactfully with attitude of respect, Daniel engages his culture ultimately and changes his culture. Culture. Because in verse 16, when they saw that Daniel and his friends were so much better, healthier, and nourished, the guard took away the choice food for everybody else and the wine they were to drink and gave all of those vegetables and water. And as I think about that, wow, what, what an incredible passage of how someone engaged and changed their culture. You see, you need to understand that every person is either a conformer or a transformer. That's what you are. And if you're a conformer, then you are those people who live lives that are controlled by the pressure from without. In other words, what society is saying, the ways of society are conforming you and changing you. Don't be a conformer in this world. I propose you be a transformer. Those are people whose lives are controlled by the power from within. We are indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God, there to lead, to guide, to direct us. He is present in your body, the temple. Live your life where the Holy Spirit is in control. Live a life where that power comes from him. You may say, well, how do you live? How do you live In these testing times, how do you live as a transformer in these testing times? Well, the first thing I would propose is there needs to be a devotion back to biblical faith. God's word and prayer. It's not hard. We just don't do it. 
We spend too much time on other things. Not enough time reading God's word, studying God's word, and sharing God's word. There's three steps there that are critical. Most Christians aren't doing those. We're not spending time in prayer. This country desperately needs prayer. I I can't even imagine what some of our children are going to face in the days to come. We need to be on our knees praying that there'll be boys and girls that grow up to men and women who can stand strong in this drifting culture. There also needs to be a dedication not to defile your body and your mind. Just as Daniel and his friends were faced with unclean food or clean food, you're faced every day with unclean choices or unclean forms of entertainment. What are you going to do? Are you going to defile yourself? Are you going to be dedicated not to do that? This culture wants to change you. Don't defile yourselves with the things of this world. And also, there needs to be a desire to glorify God every day of your life. We should have the desire to go out, engage people, talk to people, and do it in a way that it glorifies God. You know, I was at a, I did a funeral yesterday for Jan Carter, a dear member of this church, and one of the sweetest people I've ever met. And I shared my funeral. You know, every time I, every time I talked with Jan, she just, her, her gentleness and sweetness just got all over me, and I just felt good from talking to her. And I thought, wow, that's how Christians should be. We should go talk to people in a way that when we end the conversation, the person we're talking to is like, man, I feel good. Just because I've talked, I've talked with, with a Christian. We need, to, we need to glorify God every day with how we live. People are watching you. People are looking at how you live your life, especially if they know you're a Christian. How do you handle this situation? How do you deal with this? came across a quote um, a while back. I've had a pretty rough couple months. My dad passed away and some other things I won't get into. And it's just been very difficult. And um, Warren Wiersbe, one of my favorite writers, had a quote. says, you know what? Your purpose as a Christian is to glorify God regardless of your circumstances. Something I needed to read. Because we can let the things of the world get us down. Live in a way that glorifies God, that honors him. Because the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. Don't give in. Be resistant and don't give up. Be consistent. You know, Daniel could have easily given up. King says, these are the foods that you have to eat. He could have said, okay, gave up, ate those foods. But no, he did. He took a stand, he engaged his culture, and he changed it. Don't give up to this world. Don't give up to the ways of this world. You be consistent in your walk with Jesus Christ. And it moves to the third part of this, a divine triumph that we see in verses 17 through 21. Follow along as I read those. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of their time set by the king 
to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. Verse 20. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Wow, what, what an incredible picture of what happens here. These guys take a they take a stand. They engage and change their culture. And God rewards them. He gives them incredible gifts and abilities. Daniel now is able to, to read and understand dreams and visions. And uh, these young men became 10 times better than all the other ones around them. Why? Because they were now living that victorious life, that victorious Christian life. We see there in Daniel, and we see that he was enabled with skills and abilities. When God takes control of your life, and you allow him through the Holy Spirit to work, God will enable you to do incredible things. I'm still amazed at what God has done in my life and what he has enabled me to do. I'm not that smart, but God has given me incredible opportunities because he's enabled me to do that with skills and ability, just like he did for these four young men. But not only that, notice how they served. Yeah, they were in a different culture, but they still, in a respectful way, served with excellence and endurance. And you, you may say, well, Shannon, how can you say they served with endurance? Well, again, if you look at history, when you read God's word, Verse 21 says, and Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. King Cyrus was of the Persian Empire. So the time span between verse 20 and 21 is 70 years. 70 years Daniel faithfully faithfully served the Lord. Yeah, he would be tested more in the book as we read, but Daniel took a stand And God used them. And as I think about these victorious young men, what about today? What are the elements of a victorious Christian life? Well, the first thing and the most important thing is, first of all, there must be salvation in Jesus Christ. You cannot effectively engage this world if you don't know Jesus Christ. That's the first thing that must happen in your life. If you're going to be one that stands strong in this drifting culture, you first must give your life to Jesus Christ. Secondly, you need to be obedient to God's word. And prayer. These aren't hard things to do. We just don't do them. We don't read God's word, and if we read God's word, we don't obey God's word. Spend time reading, obeying God's word. Spend time in prayer. Thirdly, Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. As I said, we're all indwelled with the Holy Spirit, but my prayer is that you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. That'll just come flowing out of you. People will see it just when they talk to you. If you're going to have that victorious Christian life, 
Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. See, that's what the Bible says. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The Bible also says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So, as I said earlier, don't give in. You be resistant. Don't you give up. You be consistent. And don't you give in. You be persistent. Be persistent in your walk with Jesus Christ. You know, I heard something <clears throat> a while, a couple a while back, a couple weeks ago, that has really stuck with me because it is so true. And I just want to share with you um, a new truth that I've come to understand, and that is this. Everything, listen to me, everything worthwhile in life, everything is always uphill. It's always. It's never sliding downhill. If it's worthwhile in life, if you want to have a worthwhile marriage, it takes work. If you want to have children stand strong in the Lord, it takes work. If you want to have an impact where you work for the Lord, it takes work. It's hard work. Everything worthwhile in life is uphill. So I say that to say this. Your Christian life is constantly going uphill. And there are times when we get tired and we get weary and we want to stop. We want to rest. We want to coast back down for a little bit. I'm encouraged you don't do that. This culture will sweep you in. You stand strong. Realize you're going against current. Everything is always uphill and you live your life that way. Don't give up. Be consistent. Don't give out. Be persistent. If you're going to take a stand in this world like Daniel did, it's uphill. It's going to take some work. But you rely on the Holy Spirit working in your life and the Lord to give you the strength to do that. So what, what are some practical steps? I mean, you've been talking about this passage, and yeah, you can see how, how God used Daniel to engage his culture. You can see the things that Daniel and his friends did. But what about me? Here it is Labor Day. I got tomorrow off. I can enjoy my family, but then I'm, I'm back to work. I'm back to school on Tuesday. What can I do? What are some practical steps for me for standing strong in a drifting culture? And this is for all ages. Number one, please understand and be certain of what you believe. So many Christians don't, can't communicate what they believe in a way that doesn't make them look like they're ignorant. And so what happens is they just don't say anything. Well, we want to encourage you to get into God's Word. This church is all about studying God's Word, understanding what you believe as a Christian. That's why we offer Adult Bible Fellowship for all ages. And we have a student ministry that teaches the Word of God and children's ministry that's teaching and communicating the Word of God. We have discipleship classes on Sunday night with all of this uh, studies that, that you can be a part of to learn and to grow and to know what you believe. Life groups, journey groups, Bible studies, on and on. This church wants to do everything it can to help you know what you believe and to be able to communicate that. 
in an effective way. That's, that's a process that's both our responsibility as a church, but it's also your responsibility. And it's God's responsibility to help you, to help you believe, know what you believe. Learn about what it means to be a Christian. But also be prepared to share. Don't let this society tell you to be silent because you're going to offend someone. No, you share the truth of God, love, truth of God's word, and you do it in a way that glorifies God. Be prepared every day. You don't know who God's going to put in your path. He may have someone coming by in your path on Tuesday that he wants you to share with. Which brings me to the third thing. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide and direct you. He will enable you to share. He will make you aware of the people around you that he wants you to share with. And listen, you may say, well, Shannon, that doesn't happen in my life. There's nobody coming up to me and saying, what must I do to be saved? Well, they're not going to ask you that question. Instead, they're going to say, man, I had a, I had a bad weekend. Really? What, what, what happened? And let them share a little bit, and then, wow, you can just follow up. Well, man, I, I'm sorry about that, but I had a great weekend. Let me tell you why I had a great weekend. I was in God's house on Sunday worshiping. I, I was among friends who love me and pray for me. Just share what God's doing in your life. You ain't got to memorize some long gospel presentation. Just tell them what Jesus is doing in your life. And do it in a way that's effective. Every one of you can give testimony about what Christ has done in your life. You just need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He's bringing people in your path. In the first service, we, we, we sung the song, People Need the Lord. That's, what, that's the only hope for this culture is Jesus Christ. We got to be used by him. So a practical step is, is know what you believe, be prepared to share that, and be sensitive to those people around you that the Holy Spirit's bringing into your path for you to tell them about Jesus. Which brings me to the third, fourth thing, be faithful. Be faithful in your walk. Be faithful in how you live your life in a way that glorifies God. As I said, people are looking at you. They want to see, they want to see how you handle adversity. They want to see what happens when crisis comes into your life when you're faced with difficult trials, they want to see how you handle that. And I tell you, I have been encouraged by so many people as I've seen walk through difficult times, but do it in a way that honors God. That's encouraging to me. Be an encouragement to someone else by how you live your life. Be faithful every day. Which kind of brings me to the end, and I want to leave you with a challenge. Um, I want to dare you to live differently. Uh, as we are stand, trying to stand strong in this, in this ever, ever changing and drifting culture. I, I want to encourage you to live differently. I, I, I want to dare you to be a Daniel. I want to dare you to stand strong in a drifting culture. Don't just exist in our culture, which so many are doing, but engage it and thrive in it as well. Don't be a conformer. Be a transformer. 
Daniel, even at a young age, was able to transform and change his culture. And God wants to do the same thing through your life. Don't just exist. Don't just go through the motions, come home from work, park your car, drop the garage door, go inside and veg out on TV. You're not engaging your culture. You're just existing in your culture. That's not what Christ wants. We need, to, we need some Daniels, some Daniels who will take a stand in an effective way with an attitude of respect and love. Take a stand against the drifting culture. Engage it, thrive in it as well. You know, there are a couple of reflection questions that, that I left, up there, left in your notes there. Um, the first one is, what are the areas where you are compromising biblical truths and values because of the pressure you get from society. I want you to take just a few moments right now. Ask yourself, where, where am I conforming to the world? What are the things that, that I'm doing now that are compromising my biblical faith and my values? Are you perhaps someone allowing some unclean things into your life? Are you allowing some, some unclean movies, things you see on the internet? Are you in an unclean relationship? What, what are those things that maybe are unclean in your life where you've compromised? Then secondly, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to prepare yourself to, to, to make a strong stand and not to compromise, not to give in? to the pressures of this society. What are you going to do about that? And it goes back to kind of what I said earlier. Devotion to biblical faith, dedication to not defile our body and mind, and a desire to glorify God. I want to encourage you. As I said, Tuesday is a new day. For, for those going back to school, going back to work, Tuesday is a new day, but also can be a beginning day for you to live your life as a Daniel, one who will stand strong in this drifting culture. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Father, for the way you speak to us. Father, we so desire to not be, drift, to not be swept away by this drifting culture. Lord, it's, it's a culture that's working hard to move us away from God, to change our location, to change our language, to change our literature, to change our lifestyle, to change our loyalty. It's trying to change the way we think. Lord, help us to stand strong. This is a culture that has drifted so far away from its biblical beginnings. It's a culture now that all about tolerance, all about acceptance of everyone and everyone's beliefs, but not God, but not Christians. Lord, we, we've lost home court advantage. Our society doesn't share our views anymore. We've got to stand strong. And I pray that beginning Tuesday, we'll be a Daniel who makes a difference where we are in our life. Lord, I pray that you'll just work in a mighty way in each of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, you know, we talked about 
if you're going to have that victorious Christian life, if you're going to be someone who can engage the culture effectively, first, you've got to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And some of you sitting here this morning, the truth of reality is you don't know Christ. You might know about him, but you don't know him. And there's a big difference. And I want to encourage you, don't leave this place without getting right with God. If you feel the Holy Spirit working in your life, convicting, whatever, just, I plead with you, just get up and make your way back to the connect room. We got some people in there who would just love to sit down and hear your story and talk more about what it means to be a Christ follower. We're not ever going to have a life that makes a difference without first giving our lives to Christ. That must, that must happen. Or maybe you're here and God's been working on you and you've been visiting here and uh, you feel like maybe this is where your, your church home can be. Man, again, we'd encourage you to go back there uh, to the Connect Room. There's people there who would love to talk to you. Listen, we got a, we got a tough culture. Y'all know that. It's not going to get any better. Y'all know that. It's going to get worse and worse. You know, we got an election coming up, and I'm just, I'm, I can't even believe the two people that are running for president. That, that's how far we have drifted as a culture. It's going to do everything it can to keep you silent. Don't you talk about Jesus. That's offensive. I'm here to tell you today, no, you talk about Jesus. Because that's the only answer. Do it in a way of, uh, with an attitude of love and respect. But guys, we got to engage this culture. That's what we got to do. Engage this culture with the message of Jesus Christ and let's change our culture. Well, in just a few moments, we're going to have our um, uh, benediction.